The dead dive. What, Captain Hollister? Everybody's dead dive. What, Todd Hunter? What, Selby? Not Chen. He's dead dive. Everybody is dead. Everybody is dead dive. Hello, welcome to They're All Dead Dave, the Red Dwarf Review podcast. We are making our way through every single episode of Red Dwarf, myself and my co-host Adam. Hello. Uh, if you haven't listened to the show before, what are you doing starting in episode five? We're, we're five episodes <laughs> in, go back and start from the beginning. Uh, but, but just in case you don't want to do that... Just to explain our situation, I am a fan of many years of Red Dwarf, been watching it since the 90s, whereas Adam is much more newer to it. Yes, this is my this is my first watch through, if you like. I've uh, For context, as always, I've, I've only seen odd clips before, some odd images, but I've never fully sat down and watched Red Dwarf. So I'm rectifying this right now through this podcast. And so far, so good for the most part, I think we can say over the last four episodes, I've on the whole been enjoying myself. You're not you're not abandoning the podcast after the first. No, series, I, I haven't. I haven't come to Philip and said, "Oh, this is awful. I can't. I can't do this." <laughs> no, I'm. I am enjoying it for the most part. Yeah, excellent. Well, we're up to episode five: confidence and paranoia, in mm. which uh, Lister goes where he shouldn't and gets a bit of a bug. He goes into a non-contaminated, non-decontaminated area, picks up a bit of a bug, which has some, let's say, strange consequences. Yeah. Very strange. The fish falling from the sky <laughs> and exploding old, old, ye oldie worldy mares yeah. uh, are just two of the things that happen. Yeah, amongst other things. I mean, Among- obviously, I think the the big the big part, of course, is in the title, isn't it? Confidence and paranoia. Alistair gets these these two new manifestations of his uh, of his personality, and I guess just to, to jump into that first, if you don't mind, what I what I loved about those side characters, confidence and paranoia, was they didn't just get Craig Charles to like film something else twice over, if that makes sense, because we've seen in the show so far, you know, we've had scenes where uh, Rimmers, you know, had two of himself, and it's been the same actor, and we've you know we've had that double play. Um, so it's nice to see them sort of completely turn it on its head, you know, and not so you're not thinking, oh, it's going to be two more Craig Charles's. You've got two new actors and they're both great in portraying those wildly different uh, virtues, you know, confidence and, and paranoia. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because they could have easily just sort of dressed him up in a couple of different outfits or yeah. just had him act a little bit differently. But I don't think we would have got as much of a contrast between the two of them if we'd had that. Um, no, no um, slight on... Craig Charles's acting abilities Absolutely or anything, not. but I, I just don't think it would have been quite as dramatic a difference if we'd yeah. uh, had him playing all, you know, himself plus his two alter egos. Mm, absolutely. And and weirdly, and I don't know why, um, a crossover for you Doctor Who fans, Paranoia really reminded me of Nida from Genesis of the Daleks, but I don't know why. So how are you anyway? Isn't that a huge spot appearing on your so-called face? <laughs> My God, you've got fat, haven't you? Must be all that lager. Maybe it was like the voice or something, but it just... I he got has the same sort of shaped face, I guess. Yeah, I don't know what it was. I, at first I was like, is that Peter Miles? But I did check in the credits. It's not, but yeah. No, I, yeah. Before we got to any of the that sort of stuff, though, we mm. the, the episode started with... Uh, Lister watching a very sort of melodramatic drama on the screen and getting interrupted by Holly. 
which I found hilarious. It just like yeah. constantly, like every couple of seconds, they'd be just getting to the the pivotal moment where somebody was about to say that they somebody had just said they were dying, and yeah. uh, and then Holly would appear on the screen, and the film would stop, and he'd be like, "All right, Dave, what are you up to? <laughs> you doing anything? Are you busy?" I think it's like, the best thing. Away. Yeah, I think it's the best examples of where the the sort of whole deadpan thing that Holly is about works really well. Because I think there's some occasions, not that we've seen it too much yet, but I think there's some occasions where that humour either doesn't like fit for whatever, like for certain scenes and stuff. But that sort of uh, interruption that you described like works perfectly for that sort of deadpan delivery. Yeah, maybe there's, yeah, there might be some places where it doesn't fit, but I don't think we've encountered that yet. I think not every yet, time no. Holly has come on screen, I have absolutely loved it. it, it yeah. He's, he's actually my favourite character of the series so far, I think. Yeah, I think that um, not Norman Lovett actually. The I think what people don't realize sometimes is the focus on intonation for deadpan is so important because it, you know it's very easy to just do it deadpan but with no thought about certain words. Are you going to rise on this word? Are you going to go low? Do you know what I mean? It's that weird thing of if you literally just speak it deadpan with nothing else, it will sound like you are bored but without any of that extra flair. Whereas what Norman does, I think, so brilliantly is, is he gets across that. It's that deadpan board delivery, but with the way sometimes he speaks the words or leaves certain pauses for punchlines, it brings that extra life out of it. So I'm glad they they clearly got an actor they knew who could do that sort of style. Yeah, and it was I think this might be like one of the most extended Holly scenes we've had. Like it goes on, mm. not it doesn't go on too long. It just it goes on just the right amount of time. But it, it feels like we're getting a nice meaty bit of Holly in this and. Again, you know, it sets up some jokes which play in again later because at, at this point he's read every single... He comes on and says he's bored because he's read every single book that has ever mm. been existed. Um, and, you know, there's a topical joke in there, for I think, from the 80s about the most the the worst book ever being Kevin Keegan's... I can't yeah. remember what the book was called now. Can you? I can't remember the title, no, but I, but I it, caught the uh, Kevin book Keegan about line and thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think you, I think that might have been a book that actually came out. I'm not sure, uh, around that time. I mean, the, the limitations of the eighties, there was two moments that made me laugh, uh, unintentionally. I think, uh, near the start when, when, uh, Lister is watching that drama, I just noticed, I don't know why my eyes flitted to this cause it zooms, uh, out from the monitor. I saw the, just the, that classic Sony logo at the bottom, and I was like, how mad oh. that in, in, in the far, far future we're still using Sony CRT TVs. And I know, I know, you know, it's, it's produ- it was of the time, it's production. Look at any sci-fi show from the 1980s. They're probably, well, they're definitely using a CRT TV, and they're probably using a Sony one at that. But I don't know, it just, it just made Sony me chuckle. Sony is an cause... enduring brand, clearly, that goes on clearly far but, um... into the future, and... And we've abandoned flat screens. And they've abandoned flat screens. You know, retro. Everybody is probably like a 1980s retro uh, era. Like it it wasn't. It wasn't a detriment to the episode by any means. It just. I don't know. It just made me chuckle. I think just seeing it really. You know. You mentioned technology. The thing I noticed in that scene was the keyboard that he was typing on. Which, although there was no brand names, I swear. It looks like a Commodore 64 keyboard. It probably was. It probably was. Like <laughs> probably. when he starts typing, just hearing like the bashing of the keys, that classic like chunky sound, you know. It's, it's the so... right color. The keys are the right yeah, color. Yeah. It's, it's the right shape. I used to have a Commodore 64 and uh, I, I swear that must be a Commodore 64 keyboard. And that's, So that's is. what I noticed. It was probably definitely uh, like a, 
let's face it, shows of that time, like, definitely a cost-saving measure, wasn't it? They were like, right, we need a keyboard. We can't really afford to design a futuristic, like, touch panel one, maybe. Just throw the Commodore 64 one out. Because I guess you can get away with it because, A, it's a sitcom, but also it's not that important to the overall plot. So you, I think, yeah, Red, yeah. Red Dwarf it's can on screen get away for a few minutes. like that. Only yeah. people like me would notice. <laughs> Don't worry. If I notice TV, you notice the keyboard. Together, we've got all our obscure 80s references absolutely covered. Absolutely. So. <laughs> um, and then Holly asks him to remove Agatha Christie from his memory because then yeah. he can read it again, uh, yeah. which, which is the thing that sets up the recurring joke throughout the episode because he does delete agatha christie and almost immediately uh he's he's like i've done it done what <laughs> erased agatha christie who's she then holly <laughs> oh, you just asked me to erase all agatha christie novels from your memory why should i do that i've never heard of her yeah i mean again i think that's absolute props to um norman uh, lovett's delivery because again i think that sort of that sort of joke, I think, relies on that very quick timing when you first reveal it. You know, right, delete Agatha Christie. I've done it. I've deleted Agatha Christie. Agatha who? Like, if that was any more laboured, then I think it would have instantly just gone. Do you know what I mean? It needed to be bim ba- like bang, bang, bang. And I think, obviously, Norman Lovett and the script editors, directors, they understood that. So, like you say, yeah, it put it came off really, really well. Um, and then the recurring thing is that he keeps on coming back up again and again with... Like, like he's he's partly way through the novels um, and somebody will ask him a question like, oh, what's happening, Holly? And then he's like, well, Praro's just stepped off yeah. the play, off of the train, the steam train. Yeah. No, it just, it, it, again, I mean, as, as we've said, just very well-placed dialogue, well-placed comedy, well-placed timing. I can't count the amount of comedy shows I've seen where it's, it, you, you realise how when you watch enough of them, like how, how much timing plays into it. And like, you know, jokes that are too laboured or said too quickly just kill the whole vibe. But no, this one so far has been right on the money with timing. Kachansky gets no, um, mentioned again. Uh, yeah. She's been a running theme for Lister in this series. Uh, he's been doing something which is a bit questionable. He's been looking through her dream logs in the office's yeah. quarters. Uh, Dave, Dave, Bad, Dave. Come on, Dave. <laughs> That's not on, <laughs> bit Dave. bit morally reprehensible. So. I, I, clearly he's been you know taken in by all the soppy melodrama he's been ro- watching and oh, uh, it's gotten yeah. a bit nostalgic so he's been looking through through her dreams um mm. but because it was in the officer's quarters he got wet haven't been decontaminated nope he caught some kind of bug and as we said yeah. some strange things start to happen hilarity ensues i mean yeah. the, the fish the fish thing caught me very off guard at first because it was like the last thing i mean it's the last thing probably anyone would expect you know fish just start dropping from the top of the top of the screen and you're like what is going on and i mean i, I couldn't tell there was one shot where i think it was like showing a pile of them on the floor and it was so quick i couldn't tell if they'd used live fish or if if they were you know not alive um yeah, so I thought, oh, if they are alive, I'm sure for some people watching now that will uh, rouse tempers. But um, yeah, I mean, on the whole, the joke, I think it, it works because it's so random. Do you know what I mean? As I say, it's like you'd say, right, weird things are going to start happening. What do you think is going to happen? I think fish falling from the sky is maybe one of the last things you'd think of. And Dave, just before that, is is asleep and dreaming and he's uh, he's going, get an umbrella, get an umbrella. Yeah. <laughs> I get well a brilliant setup for it as well. Like this is, 
I think in terms of setups and payoffs for the for the jokes in this episode, I'd say this one out of the five so far has been the strongest in my opinion. Purely forgetting, I think this is the one I, I've laughed the most at so far. I think. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's it's a good one. I I really enjoy it too. I don't know if it's which one did I previously say? See, I've forgotten already. There was one that I previously said that I laughed at the most. I don't think I laughed at it more than that one, mm. but. But it is, it is a good one. I do really like it, especially once the um, the confidence and paranoia turn up. They mm. are really they're really bold sort of characters. Both of them, like what one literally his characteristics are bold, but also just like the paranoia that these just like the mannerisms. Everything was perfect about it. Absolutely, and I think I mean uh, paranoia and and com- and confidence, as you say. They they go for that polar opposite view, you know, right down to the costumes, the the presentation of the voice and stuff, and that it, it's 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 a nice I, that this is what I wrote. It's a nice take on like the angel and devil cliche you see in a lot of things, like you know the angel and devil. Rather than do that, it's it's basically the same thing in a way. You could argue both of them. I think at times are the angel and both of them are the devil. But instead of just going for that cliche, they sort of give it if you like a red dwarf spin, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. The yeah, what do you think? Like there was a, do you think there was like a message to this, to this? Because I kind of got the feeling that there might have been like something about, uh, you know, overconfidence can be dangerous. Yeah, I mean, what it spoke to me was just the sort of thing about I think balance, sort of find you know how realistically you know confidence and paranoia. If you distilled it all the way down, it's it's sort of saying you know you could argue good or bad. But either I think can be good or bad, depending on circumstances. Like, you know, there's some circumstances where to feel paranoia could only be natural, depending on what that circumstance is. And if you didn't feel paranoia, you might be deemed, you know, inhuman or whatever. I think what I'm trying to say is, to sum it up, is both confidence and paranoia need to exist in our psyche, I think, you know, to vet. But then it's up to us to what various degrees we let it influence us. And I think what I got from this was it showed... You know, arguably in both cases, how each one can be sort of pushed maybe to a, a dangerous or unhealthy extreme, should we say? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's epitomized when they're outside the ship. And um, oh, oh, yeah. side note, I love the dancing outside the ship, the cha-cha-cha yeah. outside the ship. <laughs> also, great, great sort of set and model work again on the outside of the ship that was yeah. uh, that looked fantastic and it was nice it's nice when you get those moments in the show because a lot of it is very gray i've said that before but to get some some big splashes of color like the side of the ship is quite nice so i, I like the fact that they went outside the ship but then when to, to sort of emphasize that overconfidence can be dangerous confidence sort of like says admit, first of all he admits that he killed paranoia and damaged the medical equipment to stop Dave getting better. Then he's like, oh, take off your helmet, Dave. You'll be fine. You're the champ. You you know, giving him all that, trying to give him that confidence to do something that will kill him. (laughs) Yeah. And thankfully, Dave shows a bit more sense than that, thankfully. but (laughs) Yeah. And then confidence himself goes, look, I'll do it. And he takes off his helmet. And of course, his head explodes. Yeah. See, that, that was the moment to me, I think, sort of summarize the message I was you know that it tries to get across and it actually reminded me I won't dwell on it for long because it's it's a bit darker but it reminded me exactly of you know in school when 
like you know you're out you're outside and it's the whole it's like the it's stupid but you know the chicken game like crossing the road without looking or whatever you know you 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 do have those people in school who are like oh come on come on like you can do it you can do it it's easy and you're like no 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 like confidence and then they go oh it's so easy i can do it and then you know sadly what someone along the way will get hurt but i don't know why it just sort of pang maybe it was the way the scene played out like dialogue wise the way he said it like that oh you know i watch i'll do it it just really sparked that that sort of memory that peer pressure and then that how that overconfidence can lead to tragic consequences you know yeah yeah cat was also in this episode he was and i was i mean i wrote um because obviously right off right off the gate um you know he's doing his usual prancing around being very energetic very flamboyant and then he starts being uh i can't remember the line word for word but about like oh i, like, I want to have sex with something or something like that tomorrow i'm gonna see if i can have sex with something <laughs> Ow, yeah. and obviously like the idea of sex in this show isn't a, a no-no point because they've you know they've referenced it several times it's clear you know they've sort of said it's okay to make jokes about it but I think it just took me by surprise because we haven't heard, at least I think we haven't, that kind of joke from Cat yet. I think it's mainly just been about the, you know, the flamboyance and, oh, I'm looking good. I'm looking, I'm looking fine. But yeah, so I think when I just heard him say it like so brazenly and out of nowhere, it's not, I didn't not enjoy it. I found it hilarious. But do you know what I mean? It just, it took me by surprise. It's like, oh, right, we're doing this now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and he's uh, he's sort of dancing along the corridor, going like "SCX, I'm gonna get you, SCX, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have you," something like that. <laughs> and then he comes across. Um, this is a lot earlier on in the episode. Uh, Lister, who has collapsed ill on the floor um, after getting this bug, and he's like, but before he registers that it's Lister, he's like "SCX, I think I found you." Yeah, <laughs> which, <laughs> which you know, as as. Well, Lister is an ill man, bit morally reprehensible, but I get it in the in terms of the joke. Yeah, it. I did write. Cat did make me laugh a lot in this episode. Probably more than probably more than he has done so far. For anyone who hasn't listened, I mean, you should have listened to the previous ones if you're on episode five. But I've said, you know, I felt. I think by episode four, I felt Cat's character was starting to feel like he's flamboyant. He says he's looking good, and that's about it. So in a way, it was nice, even though it was like a small thing. It was nice yeah. that they gave him those extra new jokes for him. It made it yeah. feel more fresh because I was worried. They are still him. all. It, I know what you mean. They are still all very much. There's. It's still the trope of hey, he's a human-looking person doing cat things. He's spraying yeah. his territory. Yeah. He's you know yeah. going out seeking a mate. He's licking his clothes clean when he cleans them. So it's all, all of the sort of cat things, but. There just seemed to be a lot. It seemed to be more of a focus on him a bit more this episode, in terms of yeah. giving it. Just felt fresher, I guess. That's it. As I say, like it just, I, I really didn't want them to to go into this and then being like, oh, you know, if if the whole thing again was just him saying I'm I'm looking good over and over again, I'd be a bit like, okay, guys, come on, you can surely write more cat jokes for this guy. But that that they, they have started to do it now, you know, and I hope you know, long may that continue. You can. You can still have that I'm looking good jokes, you know, because they, they do work. But I think when it, I think for a time in the first four episodes, when it sort of, to me at least, felt like the only joke, if that makes sense. I was like, okay, well, obviously in any joke, you can only tell it the same one in a row a certain amount of times before it stops being funny. So yeah, just new jokes. I'm all I'm all for it. Good on them. Uh, and then I suppose we get to the bit at the end where 
Leicester has achieved Kachansky's hologram disc because that was the plan all along. That was confidence that was the plan. plan to get him to get the disc because um, they've decided that they can, uh, by shutting down some systems on certain parts of the ship, Holly might be able to sustain two holograms. Uh, so yeah. he finds Kachansky's disc uh, and uh, Rimmer is all very much like, are you sure you want to do this? You know, you know, I'm, don't do this. You know, you won't, you won't, it won't be as good yeah, as you think you it is. Yeah. <laughs> and then he boots up the disc and another Rimmer appears. Yeah. Lister's worst nightmare, I think. So. <laughs> <laughs> Cause of course he's hidden the discs. Not only did he hide the discs, but he's, sw- but he's sw- obviously swapped a copy of himself with yeah. Kachansky's disc. Cause he knew that Lister would be going for Kachansky's disc. But I mean, how um, typical is that of of Rimmer that he'd he'd think, right, where's the obvious place I'd hide it? Now I'm going to find a different place. Do you know what I mean? I thought that's a perfect, subtle, you know, representation of the kind of man Rimmer is. He always wants to be like one step ahead and outwit, especially with Dave, because, you know, he sees Dave as a bit of a, not as intelligent. I think that's fair to say. So I think any chance to outwit him, to have that moment where he goes, ah, well, actually, I've outplayed you. I think, you know, any chance like that. Of course he's going to do it. Uh, I So I was trying to think if there was anything else. Oh, yeah, I was going to mention the um, from a lot earlier on in the episode. There's mm. Rimmer mentions or, or Lister mentions that Rimmer was a member of the Love Celibacy Society. <laughs> yeah. Which just made me think of incels. <laughs> it just made, just modern made me Modern day incels. It's modern day incels, isn't it? Come on, Rimmer. The only reason you knocked around with those prats from the Love Celibacy Society is you could never get a date. No, it wasn't. I happen to agree with their philosophy that love is a sickness that holds back your career and makes you want to spend all your money. It's weird, though, isn't it? Because obviously they make that reference. Obviously, it's in the past. But then we've had moments of, of Rimmer already making jokes about wanting to. What was the one I think in episode four when he's like, imagine having set. Uh, what was it? Lister's like, imagine having sex with a. Like, with a six-breasted a woman. woman. That's it. And then he just goes, imagine having sex with a woman, you know? So he, yeah. he's made those illusions that he's interested. But yeah, it was interesting to hear that in his past, he was very much, let's, yeah, let's just say it, very much in his past, he was an incel by, by all accounts. Thank goodness he got out of that when he when he grew older. But <laughs> yeah, that was just something I noticed that I thought uh, would be fun to mention. Uh, I thought, though, the hallucination stuff, I thought they could have done a bit more with it. They okay, they kind of did the yeah. two jokes and then they introduced the you know the fish and the uh and the, crier, and the, the town crier town crier that was it they they combusted and then yes. they got confidence and paranoia I don't know I just if there was something else but then again it mm. only did happen while he was asleep so maybe there wasn't room for yeah. it I don't know it kind I, of felt like what... they could have done a bit more weird stuff with it. Yeah, I see what you mean. Part of me thinks, is it maybe, I mean, because obviously these episodes are only in like a 20, 25 minute time slot. So maybe Mm. it was, maybe who knows, maybe originally they'd written for maybe more hallucinations and then time had to, time was its cruel mistress and had to cut some. But I I do understand what you mean in retrospect. Maybe it would have been nice to see more, even more hallucinations or more wacky varieties before we got to confidence and paranoia. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think just how because I thought this episode was actually quite well paced in terms of you know things happening and events happening. But um, which may I think makes me think maybe it was a time issue. But yeah, no, I I'd vouch yeah. for that as well. If if they gave me the option, I'd like to include some more hallucinations as well, just for just for variety's sake, you know. So, uh, is there anything else you had down that you'd like to talk about in the episode? 
I would like to mention uh, with Paranoia, I do find it funny, but also very interesting on a subtle level how there's a side because obviously it's it's born from Lister. You know, these are his subconscious. There is a part of him that does respect and gives consideration to what Rimmer says. Like, because of it, so uh, it might happen later, but so far in the show, you know, most things Rimmer tells Lister to do or advises him, he doesn't do it. You know, it's in his nature. He just doesn't do it. But with Paranoia, you know, every turn when Confidence is saying, oh, we should do this, we should do that. And Paranoia is saying, no, I know it's a heightened extreme, but I, I don't know. I just found it really interesting that deep down there is a part of uh, Dave that does really respect and pay adherence to what Rimmer has to say, if that makes sense. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, because he's kind of he's oh, you should listen to Mr. Rimmer. He's he's, you know, he's much smarter than you are and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, because I thought maybe that could be, a. I mean, obviously I'm looking way subtle into it, it might not be the intention, but that to me said, you know, it's like the part in all of us, like that insecurity that there's, that, oh, maybe we aren't as smart as we think we are, or maybe we aren't as clever or as, like, good or whatever it is. I, I just think it was nice to see that personified in Dave, because obviously the nature of his character is he is very, he's a slob, but I'd say for the most part he's quite sure of himself in a lot of respects, you know, he knows what he likes, he knows what he wants to do. So it's nice to see the opposite of that fleshed out, not even through Dave himself, but through his subco- a form of his subconscious. I don't know. I just re- I really liked it. I got a, I got a lot of subtle subtext from it, even if it wasn't the intention. It's what I've formed in my head, and I think that's what made me really enjoy this episode. And I might be jumping the gun, but if we were going to say fave characters from this episode, I think mine would be Paranoia, just from that from that subtext that I got. To be honest. I was going to say Paranoia as well for my favourite character. Mm. It was uh, it was between him and Holly at the beginning, to be honest, because and and the fact that Holly kept on popping up with his uh, Agatha Christie comments, that was good as well. But I have picked Holly in another episode as my favourite character, so yeah, I'm going to agree with you here. Paranoia, mm. my favourite yeah. character. Did you have a funniest moment? Oh yeah, the stab him gag. Oh yes. I I just I don't know what it was, but just the way. You know, right, stab him! What? Stab him! Stab him! Like, it's just like, I don't, it just, it, it was a very this simple is, joke, but it made this me is, laugh it, a lot. This is where one of the sort of scuttlers is, yeah. uh, the rim is motioning, sort of trying discreetly to, uh, for him to sort of stab him with a syringe, stab paranoia with a syringe to knock him unconscious, presumably. And, yeah. uh, and it, it the scuttlers are useless at <laughs> this sort of thing pretty much <laughs> so they didn't uh, do it and he's and rimmer's like no stab him stab him stab him quick stab him ah uh, you haven't met stab him <laughs> he's one of our scatters i don't know it just again very very simple jokes like that but again the timing the the, the shots of it it just really tickled me it really made me laugh out loud so that was definitely my favourite moment. What was your funniest moment, Phil? I think I've already actually quoted my favourite moment, which is one of the Holly moments where he comes back and talks about Agatha Christie and he's talking about Hercule Poirot. Just, they, they say, oh, what's happening, Holly? Cause they're, but they're talking about like what's happening with, with the fish and stuff like that. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And Holly just sort of goes, um, Hercule Poirot's just stepped off the steaming train. And if you want my opinion... I think they all did it. Which, you know, it was a nice callback to earlier, and I just that cracked me up. Hmm. Norman Lovett's performance there was brilliant, and uh, so yeah, that was my favorite favorite moment of the episode, uh, funniest moment even. What would you give this episode out of five? How many scuttlers Ooh. out of five? 
Ooh, that's I've been I've been tossing this in my head for for a while now because uh I'm gonna Yeah, I'm gonna give it a four point five actually. I have been back between that and actually giving it a full five, but I just I think I think I know, I know, but I think when I give top marks to anything I really have to, you know, watch it, think at the time, and then look back on it, and still think like instantly, you know, yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a. Top you know, marker. I'm starting to think we should have done this out of ten because it gives us <laughs> gives you more of a flexibility, doesn't it, to to sort of on your grading. Well, but maybe hey, when we jump to season two, we can expand our horizons. Maybe but... we will. Maybe we will. Yeah. In the meantime, yeah, I've I've given it four. Okay. Yeah. What what so, for you makes it lose that that final crucial point? Well, I just because I gave one, I gave an episode earlier on in the series four point five, I think, and that was I, what yeah. I still think is my favorite, sort of funniest, the episode I found the most amusing and yeah, uh, my favorite episode. So I, I I had to reflect that this one was slightly lower than that, so I gave it a four. That's fair. Four's four out of five, man. That's still yeah. That's still good. It's still yeah. a really good episode, and one of my definitely one of my highlights out of the rewatch yeah. so far. Yeah, I'd say it's. I'd say for me at the minute, because I think the only other episode I can't forgive it four or four point five. I think I gave it four point five. Um, at the minute, this one is tying for me with the opening episode, the very first one. Um, I think what yeah. I, you know, opinions change. Maybe once I've seen more of the series, I'll look back on this one, and it might get bumped up that extra 0.5 because there were times where i thought yeah that's a five out of five but um yeah at the minute at the time of this recording i'm i'm gonna say 4.5 yeah excellent uh right well we that's it that's i think all we've got to say on the matter uh we will be back for another episode next week to cover the finale of series one of red dwarf and me too or me squared or however you want to say it um, yeah, I, I I didn't know that at first because obviously I saw the title on Netflix and it just says Me Too and I thought, oh, heck, that's topical these days. But then, <laughs> but then obviously in the title sequence, it's stylized as, as you say, Me Squared. So I think I've written in brackets squared. So I'll try and call it Me Squared, but Me Too works as well. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, just to say also that as, as just before recording this episode, um, I've got some new artwork in for the for the podcast, which mm. you guys listening at home will have might have seen since day one. But we record these in advance and we're, oh, we're, yeah. we're up to episode five and we haven't put one out yet. So that is why I'm only referencing uh, things like the people that are working on the music and the people that are working on the artwork and stuff after the fact that. And not since episode one. So we've got some brilliant illustrations done by Sophie Isles, who has uh, drawn both me and Adam and the ships, both Red Dwarf and and Starbug, uh, which are being used in various places. If you're watching on YouTube, they're probably in front of you on the screen right now. (laughs) Yeah, and they're gorgeous. Thank you, Sophie, if you're listening. Thank you very much. Yeah, so they're great. Do go check out um, Sophie Mm on YouTube. on twitter and i'll leave all her links in the youtube description and any other descriptions down below as well and she also streams her drawing on twitch Mm. quite a lot as well so go do go check out that Uh, talking of social medias and places on the internet where we can find people where can we find you adam okay so with me i'm mainly on youtube and twitter so on on youtube just type in adam martin that's martin with a y and my channel should pop up 
I do videos on a variety of topics, Doctor Who, now that's what I call music, uh, classic TV history stuff, just a lot really. Hopefully there'll be something you'll like, so come and check us out there. And on Twitter, I'm Adam Martin Actor. Just give us a follow. I do giveaways from time to time. I tweet about things I'm passionate about. I often get involved with discourse revolving around memes, which is always a good laugh. But um, yeah, just come follow me there. What about you, Philip? Shout out yourself. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at I-U-D-E-X underscore Phil. Uh, I won't try and pronounce that because it, it <laughs> it's not pronounced how it sounds. Um, at the moment, anyway, I might change it and then I'll confuse you all. <laughs> People will be listening to this podcast yeah. years to come and be searching. Yeah, like, find where is he? Yeah. If, if that's the case, it's because I've changed it. Um, but for the moment, it is that. And of course, you can find me on YouTube. You may be watching this on YouTube. Or you may be listening to it on another podcast platform, but you can find me talking about all sorts of geeky pop culture like Doctor Who, Star Trek, um, other things uh, on there. And uh, I'm, you know, wrapping up talking about Time Lord Victorious. I've had a series called The Canon Update, which has been covering that and everything we learn in the Time Lord Victorious Doctor Who events. Have you got anything interesting coming up soon? I mean, that's it's an interesting one to talk about it because actually we don't know when we're releasing this yet. So, yeah. I mean, long term, have you got any long term plans for your channel? Uh, well, at the minute, time of recording, all I can say is I am working with a team called Four Inclusion, who is which is a division of Channel Four. The you know the the that good old blocky Channel Four. Um, at the time of recording, I can't say too much on what it is about, but maybe by the time this is out. It's already happened. If you want to know if it's happened, go to Twitter, type in for the letter, the number four, for inclusion. And if it's happened, the project will be there on Twitter. If it hasn't happened, follow them anyway, and you'll hopefully see it as it comes. Fantastic. Right. We will see you in the next episode. See you later. Bye. Bye.